All righty. Blessings. Be at rest. Be at peace. Hey, let's quickly pray. All of our basketball teams are leaving right this second. They're not in here today. They're typically here all Fridays and before their games, um, but they are headed way up north. Our brand new bus um, that's all wrapped. Man, I wish I had a picture of that. Matter of fact, Chris, if I send you this photo, let's try to get this. Get this. Hold on. You got to use my photo here, Chris. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Chris Joseph. Uh, Joseph. Hold on. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. We're killing it. Here we go. Boom. So whenever that gets there and gets ready, that'd be wonderful. Anyway, good to see everybody here um, on Friday. You've had three days of class, and how many are already ahead of your schedule? Anybody catching up over the weekend uh, on some work? And uh, remember, weekends always about, I tell you, it's about homework and holiness and, and hanging up your clothes. Um, how many have a roommate that needs to hang up their clothes right now, that right there? My wife just raised her hand, so I, 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 I hang up my clothes, sweetheart, I'm kidding. Hey, before we get into this, we're going to have a great Friday, great time in God's Word today. Um, we're going to be kind of in both Testaments in just a minute. But before I do that, um, one of my favorite people in all the world is going to come up in a moment. And there's two things that are just under assault. One is uh, your trust in God's Word, our trust in God's Word, uh, as the, uh, authoritative um, the inspired word of God. We're going to talk about that. And secondly is the validity of your commitment and my commitment to a local fellowship, a local church. Uh, those things are just under assault, uh, not just your generation, but for all of us. People my age have checked out on those two certainties. Um, and what happens is, is I had a friend that is in his 70s and his mom passed away two years ago. And his dad had passed away the year before, and it was a tough loss. And then his mother passed away. This guy's a national leader, uh, uh, oversees global missions uh, for our denomination. And he told me a story that at his mother's funeral, his sister came up to him at their mom's funeral. And she pulled him aside at the funeral. And said, listen, I need to talk with you. Mom said that at her funeral, I was to tell you this. That uh, your father was not your father. That you were the result of an affair. Now think for just a minute. Your whole life, you think you knew what you stood on came from, that that was your dad. And you're being told after he's died and at the mother's funeral by your sister because mom was afraid to tell you this. And she kept it a secret her whole life. And he said, who's my father? And he says, sister says, I don't know. Mom only knows, but she's gone. 
Can you imagine having your, your foundation, your earth, everything you've stood on, all of your psyche is built upon this piece of information and then it's ripped out from under you. What we're going to talk about today is the assault on the foundation that everything is built upon, which is the word of God, promise of God. And if that gets ripped out from under your feet and you don't even know who you are, if the story's true, and then the assault on community, being involved in a local church. A lot of students come to North Central because we have chapel every day. They disconnect from the local church. You're coming off two years of disconnect with COVID. Then you come into college and the disconnect grows. You could graduate from this school and be looking at a five to six year window of no attachment to a local church uh, of any legitimacy. One of my uh, dearest friends here, Eric Samuel Tim, I've invited him just to take three minutes and tell you about a wonderful way to get reconnected if you're new to the city or last semester there was just no connection into the local church. Can we welcome, he travels with Maverick City, Toby Mack, He's, he speaks all over the country to tens of thousands of people, but he is ours, alumni and local pastor, Eric Samuel Tim. Set the clock. Okay, first of all, put the bus picture up. Okay, there we go. Now, President Hagen, I have a slide for Paradox. Now, here's what I need you to do, Chris. There's a slide for Paradox, and I want us to say, move that bus on three, and then switch it to the Paradox slide, the next one that I have. Do you have that information that we sent you? Okay, you ready? Move that bus on three. Move that bus. Move that bus. Move that bus. Move that bus. All right. Anticlimactic. Listen, uh, there's a story about a tortoise and a hare, and you know it. The turtle wins. And it's a story that a Greek philosopher, Zeno, is credited of basically making. And it's a paradox of sorts that something slow would beat something fast. And what you need to know is that your life is quick. You live in a time where things are moving at the speed of culture. And what you also need to know is the local church uh, helps you slow that down. And I've got some friends here from Summit Church, uh, Naomi, Isaac, and Brandon, and a bunch of you that are here. Uh, They are NCU alumni, and God's been doing something amazing in the heart of St. Paul. It's a hundred-year-old church. We've been there a long time. Last year, we had 39 people that gathered. The last three, four weeks, we'd have over 225 people. God's doing something special. But here's the thing. It's a paradox because it's slow and steady. Church planning is amazing, but revitalizing a church's work, and it goes slow. And so here's what we're doing on literally... um, January 24th, we got free Chipotle for you. You heard me right. And what that is going to be is a calendar moment for some of you, because if you are plugged into a local church, keep serving in that local church. And I would challenge some of you to actually sow your gifts, not get paid to play the guitar. Because let me just say something, you will bankrupt the kingdom of God if it's always about stewardship. I'm not preaching today. You are. 
But I'm telling you, we are at a crossroads in our history in the heart of St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's the Twin Cities best kept secret, St. Small. Get in your car. We'll send the bus over to get you. Text that number, 651-360-2908, and learn a little bit more. We are going to email you, but you get a chance to, to get some free Chipotle. And your phone is ringing. It's, I think it's your daughter. But what you just need to know is this. Come check it out. Serve with us. Because the reality is, the reality is, is there's calendar appointments, right? There's those things on your calendar that you're going to have to do. But I believe that on that night, there's a bunch of students in here that are looking to become a part of the Beatitudes of Christ and become a part of the paradox for a city that needs to have light shown before it. So make sure that you, this is a gong show now, make sure that you text that number and check it out because I think that this is just my closing thought. God has got a Kairos moment for some of you in here. See, the Greeks have got great stories, but they also got great words. And one of them is Kronos and one of them is Kairos. There is an opportune time and all of heaven and all of earth collide in these moments. So don't miss it. Comfort free Chipotle, but the Holy Spirit might have something more for you. It might actually cost you something to follow Jesus. And that might be a beautiful living sacrifice in a church in a city that's being revitalized in the name of Jesus. So come check it out, all right? You won't miss it. God bless you all. Thanks for letting me be here. President Hagen. Mrs. H and I, that's when we are home and free on some weekends. That's, and I'm not preaching. We try to make it over to Summit to support. It's phenomenal, and uh, it's a great thing. And so if you need a space and a place, uh, I highly recommend. Uh, you're going to be hearing on Friday some, when I preach some different spaces for you to find uh, connection with um, in local churches, not just here, but also some long-term opportunities um, around the country that you just need to be connected with now while you're in school that could lead to some pretty magnificent uh, things. So, all right, take your Bible. Let's go to, uh, let's put that first picture up if we can. Oh, I, I've already shown you that. That's all my grandkids for those who weren't here at that chapel. There we go. It says here in Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty and this word is dexterous or uh, adroit. Uh, and these are cool words that mean slippery or cunning, shadowy. Uh, they can bend and morph and, and, and do something that's unique to accomplish the, the end to the, uh, of the means, whatever they're trying to get to. That they'll take no for an answer. When somebody is crafty, they take no for, and they will not take no for an answer. They will constantly try to be clever to outsmart and outmaneuver in every situation. The serpent at this time was more slippery and bendable and adaptable and could uh, change and call audibles to accomplish whatever was in the heart of the serpent. In this case, it was to get to Eve and Adam and to uh, alter their confidence in their future. And the way he would, would do that is he came to them, he was crafty, he came to them and said to the woman, indeed, has God said, now this is in Genesis chapter three, this is before the fall, <clears throat> very simple elements in 
the Bible story prior to the fall. God established a couple things that were in place before sin. One is that he created them male and female. This was established by God in the garden, indisputable, and you have no authority. That's why we say, hey, it's my body, my this, my that. And we, we call out this rebellion to the basic building block that was given to us in Scripture by God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I just turned 60. I'm probably going to speak more like a father and a grandfather to you this semester. Uh, I have 11 littles that are emerging on this earth right now. Uh, some are brand new, like little Jovi's, just a few months old. Another one of my littles is, is, is 10. His name is Eli. I've had a completely, uh, I've had a profound shift in my approach of trying to drop hints along the way to get people to maybe recognize some deviation. I'm going to speak far more straight to you out of love, hopefully, um, this semester. And for me, this story in the garden is critical to not having the earth beneath my feet shift and to suddenly find out that what I thought I believed my whole life, that my father's not my father? So where does that leave me? If that's not true, then who am I? So if scripture is not true, then who are we? It's that critical and again, I shared last semester, it's not about your generation standing up to my generation. It's not what's going down. What you have to do in this hour is realize you're going to have to stand up against your own generation. Not as a generation against my generation, but within the generation, your generation, God has got to raise up some powerful Daniels in this generation, men and women who will break free from your generation to stand for what is truth and say, this is craziness, I'm not going down this path, even though all of my peers appear to be in mass adopting these ideas. So the scripture established that he created them male and female, male and female, he created them. It's emphatic. The second thing that he established in the garden is that for this cause, a man and woman shall leave their mother and father, cleave to one another, and become one flesh. That framework for marriage between a man and a woman in Scripture established before the fall is immutable. And the idea is that before the fall, the Creator, the Father God, established marriage between a man and a woman. Then Moses, after the fall and inside the law use the exact same framework, Christ himself in Matthew 19 used the exact same framework, and then the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 used the exact same framework. So you have before sin, after the fall, in the law, through Jesus' own lips, and the teaching of the Apostle Paul, an immutable pattern of marriage between a man and a woman. So this was established in the garden. So, so the serpent slithers into this framework, clever, with a motivation to disrupt the confidence that Adam and Eve would have in God's created design. So he slides in. He's adaptable, slithery, cunning. He's adroit. He's dexterous. He can bend in ways that snakes are not supposed to bend. 
okay? At this point, he's walking, which is weird. I've never seen legs on a snake. But he's conversing. I've never seen a snake talk. But he's assigned this uh, characteristic of being a serpent. And he says, hey, did, did God really say that? Think about the very first thing the devil ever spoke to humanity. Is that really what God's said? And Eve, to her credit, comes back full tilt with the right answer. See, we think about Eve's compromise, but understand the sequence and the progression of this because the scripture says, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat or touch or you will die. Now, I've, I've talked about these two trees uh, at length, side by side, the tree of substance and the tree of shadow. I wish the Lord would have created the Satan tree and put it on Jupiter, just way out there. And put the Jesus tree in the middle and the Satan tree on another planet. Why do you put them side by side? You don't even have to move your neck. You always are presented with the shadow and the substance side by side. Every decision we make, we got a shadow opportunity option and a substance option simultaneously. And the human psyche and the human sensibility cannot discern between the two trees. They taste the same. They look the same. They make you feel wise or enlightened. It's not a fair, it's not a fair test. How am I supposed to know in a fast-moving world if I'm eating from the shadow or eating from the substance? It's going too fast. Is this the good tree, the life tree, or the death tree? They look the same, man. They taste the same. That's why everybody runs around and says, you know, this is this. Love is love. It's all the same. And in, in, in a fast-moving world, it appears it is. And the only way you can tell the difference between the two trees, it's only one way, is what God said about the trees. So if you don't know what God said, and it's just left up to you to figure it out, and your friends, social media, the, the scale of belief. Remember, just because every single person believes something in a moment in human culture doesn't make it true. Book of Acts, they're in the theater in Ephesus and there's been a revival in all these little shrines of Diana or the of Artemis this goddess has been abandoned by the Christians because they're not going to be idolatrous well the economy collapses and so everybody in the business world rushes into the theater because they're losing money over Christianity revival has impacted the economy because nobody's believing this garbage anymore about these idols and they all went in the theater, and they're in an uproar, and it says they shouted for, for two hours. And it says no one knew why they were there. I want us to try and shout for two minutes. Two hours? Shout for two hours. Be that committed to your belief system. And it says they didn't even know why they were there. And then the town clerk stands up and says, since we all know that Diana came down from heaven, and these are undeniable facts. Well, how do you argue that? If, if this is God did it, and if science backs it, how do I stand against God in science? 
But how many in this room believe today that Diana came down from heaven? Nobody in this generation believes that. There might be a few little mavericks over there in Greece that believe this. But nobody in scale believes that. But at one moment, every person in society believed the lie. And there are certain lies right now falling upon America in which everybody believes it's true and you've got to be able to be the one to stand up in the theater and says, that's not true. That's, that, that doesn't align with God's word. I might be the only one in the room. I'm not going to buy this lie. So she answers correctly. We can't eat from this tree. This is the shadow tree. We're going to die when we eat this. And so the enemy, the crafty one, the slithery one, the one that can bend in ways that snakes shouldn't bend, the one who can articulate an ar uh, a, a argument, a lie, this dexterous one, this one called the serpent, says, she goes, from the, we may not eat, but from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it or you touch it or you die. She's spot on. Next, next slide. Next slide, next slide, next slide. The serpent said to the woman, he wasn't done talking to her and the devil's not done just because you quote a memory verse and get it right on the first pass. Doesn't mean the devil's going like, oh, get a strong Christian, move on. No, he, he's after you. I'm going to figure out a different way to cut because I'm crafty, I'm slithery. I bend in ways I shouldn't bend. So the serpent now confronts truth. You surely will not die. He posed, first of all, he posed a hesitation. Hey, did God really say that? God really say this? And she said, yes, he did. Then he confronts it and says, no, he didn't. And you see these different levels of approach in society right now. The subtle little, let's just put a little question inside the Christian's head about the Bible. And, but if you come back with faith, then they come at you with vehement cancellation to attack and refute and go uh, implicitly against what God's word teaches. And you're left in the middle of all this. Now, the Bible says, you will not die for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And that it was a delight to the eyes. Hey, this tree looks like this tree. Maybe, maybe the shadow is not a shadow after all. Maybe these are, maybe these, the similarities, not the contrast, but the similarities begin to rise. This is just this. It's all the same. Desirable wisdom. It's fruit is good to eat. She gave it to her husband. They ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. You know the story well. Um, and they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. And they hid themselves. Because you're, you're groping to find refuge from shame. You, you cover it yourself. You figure out your own justification. And then you still go into hiding because the fig leaves aren't enough and the bush isn't enough. So you try to coverings, bush, everything you can to hide and to cover what just happened. And that's the condition of humanity without Christ that we are born into. Okay, next slide. We're going to go through these super fast. Satan's goal is to make us hesitant in this day and age. Make you hesitant. Hesitant about everything. Hesitant to believe. Hesitant to respond. 
hesitant to trust the Bible because everybody in the theater says this lie is divine and scientific. Diana came down from heaven. And since these are undeniable facts, so when something's factual and sacred, it kind of makes you feel stupid, doesn't it? Like, well, I'm just stupid. I, I, that's what the whole goal of the enemy is to make Christians feel stupid. Like, like you see what's going on in the area of sexuality. Most all of the deconstructionism ends up in the same place. Jesus really isn't who he presented himself to be. I have bodily autonomy. Because when the Bible was written, those were a bunch of idiots who didn't understand the modern love language of human beings. So they wrote that with very limited knowledge of an enlightened, educated world that we live in. I read this garbage all the time. And then the third thing about the modern deconstruction movement when it's applied to theology, Jesus is not who he presented himself to be. Don't tell me what to do sexually. And number three, uh, the sharing of our faith with other people is an act of injustice. So global evangelism, sharing of our faith, is really an act of oppression or patriarchy or supremacy if we share Christianity with people. Deacon, it's always ending up in the same place. No matter who you talk to, I can guess the article, I can read the title, I said, I will close my eyes and I will guess which paragraph. These three emphasis show up in the modern movement and it's designed to make us hesitant. Did God really say? That's not really your father. Well, where do I stand on now? Well, I don't know, but you can't stand on this. Even though they offer nothing to stand on other than the shadow tree and, and false enlightenment. So here we go. Once I make us hesitant. Next slide, if you will. I got to get through these really quick here. We are closing down. The point, now deconstructionism, the year this school started, there was a French philosopher named Jacques Derrida. He was born in 1930. He only died in 2004. He's really considered the father of deconstruction. His philosophical approach was to take whatever structure was there, tear it apart, Discover, discover the opposite idea that, that that structure represents and see if there's greater truth inside the deconstruction. It was really to look at systems of power. I'm not saying that deconstruction is not a meaningful methodology for getting through things that are false, oppressive structures. Absolutely a meaningful methodology. The problem is we're taking Derrida's approach and applying it to theology from people who at their baseline are not trying to discover what is true. They're trying to dismantle what they reject. Now watch this, watch this. The deconstructionist, the point of deconstructive analysis is to restructure or displace the opposition, not simply to reverse it. So people that don't like the narrowness of Christianity, the idea that my body is not my own, I was purchased, male or female, this is not my body. A man can't say that, a Christian that's a female, can't, you can't just say this, we're stewards of our bodies, I care for my body, I don't want anyone to harm my body, I don't want anybody to harm your body. Yes, we are stewards of our body, we are not owners of our body. Because we were bought with a price. We are not our own, is what the Bible t says. 
So people hate it. Don't tell me that. I reject that. I reject the fact, the narrowness of Christ. I reject the idea that I have to share my faith in this world with lost people. I don't want to do that. I don't like the rejection that that brings. And so what happens is you begin with the basis that I, that is something I don't embrace. I'm going to deconstruct this whole theological premise to prove and really dismantle the opposition, which in this case of most deconstructionists, theological, the op- what is opposite of them is the truth. They want to dismantle it and, and validate not the strength of their convictions. We have to study. We have to dig. We have to explore. We have to inquire. We have to stay curious. We have to ask hard questions. Absolutely. But is the motive for doing it to validate your predisposition of rejection of Christian truth, hatred for the church. And so you see this mass movement. It's impacting all of us of every age. Next slide, if you will. Deconstructionists value the idea that the text cannot represent reality. This can't be reality. Thus, and I'm not using the word text as in sacred text, but in deconstructionism, anything that's the accepted premise of a structure that can't represent reality. Thus, a deconstructionist critic will deliberately emphasize the ambiguities of language that produce a variety of meanings and possible readings of a text. Now, when you apply that thinking to the Bible, you end up with, hey man, did God really say that? Did the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this stuff, he didn't know about modern sexuality. He, 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 they're, they're, they're a bunch of buffoons. They were ignorant. They're from another time. They don't understand our world. They don't understand love. So we're living in a more enlightened time. And if the enemy can put that in your head just a little bit, create hesitancy, well, who is my father? How am I supposed to sleep at night? Every memory I have. So if the scripture is not authoritative, and trust me, the beauty of the Bible, it can handle examination. It can handle deep inquiry. You can test it, throw that Bible against the wall, stomp up and down on it, throw it off the top of the Empire State Building. The scripture has been tested and examined and found to be true. Okay, we're almost done here. Next slide, if we will. Um, we're not facing a leadership crisis. We're facing a theological crisis, a, what I call a truth-telling crisis. So here's where we're going to stop. We'll, we'll pick up on this because I want to get you through Matthew chapter 4. We'll do this next week. So how do we? Um, put that last slide up there. This is a question we're going to answer next week. How do we? Uh, we must defeat Satan privately before we defeat him publicly. But how? How do we do this? How do we do this? Because at the end of the day, the evidence of a shattered private life is something that we can't run from that evidence. We can only shield people from seeing it. How do we defeat the enemy privately before we defeat him publicly? Matthew 4 gives us the key and shows us how to correctly construct faith, how to deconstruct the things that are legalistic and traditional, but still reside on the foundation of what is true, be unshakable. There are systems, religious systems, that are garbage. But what's happened is this 
scorched earth move to take down all theology with those false structures. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into this. I want us to stand across the room here today. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to be motivated to do your homework this weekend. Clean your room. Hang up your clothes. Live holy. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time praying for those who want to hang out and pray for a little while in this place. You guys are phenomenal. You are the ones that are going to stand up in the theater, even though the whole theater is crying out, hey, this is this, science and sacred, and, and, and you are the ones who are going to be able to say, I'm eating from the tree of substance, truth tree, because of what God said about it. I'm not going to leave it to my friends Leave it to social media. Leave it to popular opinion. Um, I'm going to trust what the scripture says because I'm going to dig and grow in my Bible and trust you. I've told you a hundred times, you can't love Jesus but be embarrassed of the Bible. It doesn't work. There's no hybrid thing like you get to be a Christian, but this is like, ah, that's too hard. That's too embarrassing. I, uh, that text right there goes against my friends. So what am I supposed to do? Um, so God's going to help us. He's going to help you. The Holy Spirit's going to help you to do a, have a great season in your life of development and growth. I, I hope you find a local church. And I hope that God keeps that foundation stable in your life. And God's word as well. So we're going to pray. Um, I know on Fridays people come, they're carrying some stuff from back home. Some of you left some heavy-duty stuff back home. Our staff and faculty, some of them are going to line up across the front here. If you would get in that space quickly, please. Um, and at that point, uh, we're going to go into prayer. If you need prayer personally for anything, you're sick, there's someone at home that is sick, uh, you're carrying a burden, um, then I want you to come say, hey, man, would you pray for me? We're, this stuff's going on back home. This stuff's going on in my heart. Another thing that we do right here is we get in circles with our floors or our um, uh, kind of our dorm area, and we just pray for each other on Fridays. And then we just worship the Lord. Vinny's up here filling this room with some great music. And then we just keep this. We'll pray to about 12, 15-ish, uh, and I always end up right up here in a circle praying with, uh, praying with me and a chance to pray with our leaders who's ever left in the room. But I just want to encourage you on Friday, spend a few extra minutes here uh, at the end of the week, just saying, God, I just want to have a heart to seek your face, God. And if you are battling some of these doubts and uncertainties and your footing and you're wondering and you just feel like the Lord has arrested all of that stuff with the scripture today, man, just take a few minutes to seal that in your heart through prayer and worship uh, for a few minutes in this room. So um, this will be our dismiss. You can come find someone to pray for. We got some phenomenal men and women up here. Um, and we're just gonna linger, make ourselves available in Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. We praise you today, God. Thank you for this chapel uh, time together, God. Lord, I pray that we would uh, have a, a profound growing resolve in our life, Jesus for your word, Lord God, and that you would make us strong and compassionate, Lord, and loving 
and caring for our neighbor and our world, Lord. Father, as we just begin to seek you in this room, Lord, Father, I pray you'd pour out your spirit, strengthen every wonderful student and gift that you brought to this school, strengthen our staff and faculty, God. Give us a strong, good weekend in the Lord. And Father, keep our sights set on you, Jesus. We give you praise and honor. If you need prayer, altars are open for you. You can stay and pray, get on your knees and pray, hang out and pray, get in a circle and pray, find someone to pray with, and uh, let's just spend some time in an atmosphere of seeking the Lord for a few moments. Amen. And also make sure you find uh, Pastor Eric Samuel and, or uh, do that QR code. Find your way to Summit. Thank you, Jesus.